Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today comes from two places. The first is from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 through 20, and then from Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 25. We will begin with 1 Samuel. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Pania, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went year by year as she, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself to the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set before him, before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, nor razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a deeply troubled, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant you petition as you have you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the Lord went to her, her quarters, then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. They went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I had asked him of the Lord. Our next passage is from Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 25. And every piece, priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since 
since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sacrifice sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us, the, the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and assurance of civil assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean and an, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, has, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another with good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So did you know that going to church is good for your health? That is actually the focus of and in the cover story of the November 2021 issue of Christianity Today. Um, two researchers from Harvard, Tyler Vanderweel and Brandon Case, have, have done an exhaustive study, and they say that people who go to church on a regular basis tend to live longer, are depressed less often. There are less cases of suicide. There are less cases of drug abuse. There are fewer heart problems, less divorce, and more meaning in life and a greater level of civic engagement. And they say this, in some, there are a number of ways in which religious service attendance might positively influence a person's mental and physical well-being including providing a network of social support, offering clear moral guidance, and creating relationships of accountability to reinforce positive behavior. So I think that this is great news. I mean, people, you would think, should be streaming into local churches and mosques and synagogues as well. We should be packing the pews, and yet we're not especially in the light of COVID-19, when we had this whole experience that for about over a year we did not meet in person, the fact is we're seeing fewer people in our worship services. Um, I know there are some people who for many reasons can't make it to church but are actually watching us through video, and so I totally understand that. That's not who I'm talking about. But... The thing is, is that the time away for some people, they had the, where they had the opportunity to watch through computers instead of being in person, kind of gave people the opportunity to think about worship and if they missed it at all. And some realized they didn't miss it. So when things started to open back up again, they stayed home. 
all of this is interesting and it's talk about the importance of church, going to church, the fact that there are less people going to worship. It's kind of important because of another survey that came out um, earlier this year. There was a study, I believe, by Gallup that said that for the first time in 80 years, the number of Americans that were regular churchgoers or regular attenders of any type of faith community dipped below 50%. The number of churchgoers for, for many decades was constant. It was usually somewhere in the 70% range until about maybe the year 2000. And then it started to go downward. And so what is happening is that we are seeing less people going to church. And when that affects the church, that of course affects the church, but in some ways, some people believe can affect the nation as well. Especially in our time when we are more polarized than ever, when we have less ways of kind of coming together as communities, where we put more, invest more in especially political identities, not having a church or any type of faith background can make society a much darker place than normal. So all of this has got, have made me start to think, why does it matter that we go to church? The thing is, is that lots of people don't go to church and they're good people. I could go across, in, uh, across the ocean to Europe, lots of people there, in fact, huge amounts of people there, don't go to church. They're good people. So why do we get up each Sunday to drive to this building? And are we missing something when we don't worship? So the text that I, I just read for you today, the two texts, have priests in them. Let's start with Hebrews. It opens up saying that every day there was a priest in the temple that was offering sacrifices to God every day in order that the sins might be forgiven. Now this is being taken from the older form of Judaism which was based on sacrifice and that was every day a priest would have to go in 365 days a week, a year, with sacrifice so that God could forgive the people every day, all the time. But the writer then says Christ became the sacrifice. He became the lamb, usually the animal that was sometimes sacrificed. God in Jesus was the offering to forgive our sins. And the thing is, Jesus only had to do it once. So now, our sins, all of us, our sins are forgiven now and forever. God forgets our sins now and forevermore. Because we are washed clean through the blood of Jesus on the cross, we can now come into God's presence. The gulf that separated us from God has been healed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know now 
that the God of the universe loves us. We have hope that even when things are incredibly bleak in our lives, we can rest in the goodness of God and know that we have salvation through Jesus Christ. Then the writer says this. This is kind of the key part of the passage. And let us continue, continue, consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Not neglecting to meet together. What is the writer getting at? Basically, what the writer is saying is this. We shouldn't stop meeting with other Christ followers. We shouldn't stop worship. Stop. We shouldn't forget worship. Why is worship so important? Why is it something that we shouldn't forget? Because it is the way that we grow spiritually. It is really, I think, difficult to grow spiritually on your own. This is a communal thing. Christians are there to support each other, to help each other to be reminded of the love of God. And we express that love of God jointly through good works in the community. Worship is a place where we learn from each other so that we can grow. We are reminded of God's love through Jesus Christ. Worship reminds us that we cannot do this all on our own. We can't save ourselves and we can't grow more holy just by us. Worship, though, is also a reminder. It is a reminder as we go out from this place when worship ends on a Sunday and we go out back into the world. It makes us think, where is God active in life, in our life? Where is God working in our lives? Where is God working in our community? It reminds us that God is present. God is not an idea. God is not a concept. God is present and living. One example of this is in our Old Testament text. Here is a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah is one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah has several children through his other wife, Pania, but Hannah was not able to have children. The scripture says Elkanah loved Hannah, but Pania not so much. She used to taunt Hannah because she didn't have any children. It seems like she always did this when they went to worship. So it seems like Phinea kind of forgot what worship was all about. Of course, all of this upset Hannah, and Elkanah tried to make her feel better and say that he was all that she needed. And that's probably something that most of us guys would say, and it probably was not helpful to her. And so she went to church. She went to her place of worship and she poured out her soul 
to God in prayer at the temple. And the chief priest, Eli, thought that she was, she was praying in a rather odd way, or at least she was saying stuff, but nothing was coming out. So she thought, well, she's got to be drunk. And she, he chastises her. But she shares what's on her heart. At that moment, Eli understood. And he said, go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made him. He gives her hope by telling her that God has heard her prayer, that God is present in her life, that God has not forgotten her. And he believes that God will grant her what she wants. Because she was part of a worshiping community, because she had that practice of always coming to worship, always engaging in prayer. She had also someone that was there to show her and to help her, to spur her to greater faith in God. Now, of course, this is not the same as the modern church. This is a community of faith, actually in a different faith, and also several centuries ago. But it's still important. It's a reminder of the importance of being part of faith community, that we cannot do this on our own. And being with others can help us in times of challenge. Now, as much as going to church might make you healthy, that's not the reason that we go. We go, that's the side benefit. The main benefit is that we go to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. We are reminded that God isn't just some kind of concept, but God is active in our own lives and in the life of the world. This is why we are here. Because at some point in our lives, we are also all Hannah's. We are also people who are grieved and we need support. And we need people like an Eli that can help us remember that God has not forgotten us. And that we can also be that to others here in the church and outside of the church. To help them to know that the God of the universe loves them and has not forgotten them. So, church is good for your health. But more importantly... It is also good for your faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.